Hello, and welcome to this talk from Hersham Baptist Church. My name is Heather, and it's great to be with you this morning. So here we are for the next in our series of big questions. And the last few weeks, we have been asking things like, why are we here? Who is God? And why should we care about the world? And this week, we have come to the next of our really big questions. And that is, is the world out of control? These questions are so important for how we see so many other things in life. And I want to really encourage you as you listen to this one today. So, is the world out of control? The answer is this. No, God is in control. God loves the world and can bring good out even from hard times for those who trust in him. Before we begin, I want to remind us what Phil said last week when looking at the question, why care about the world? And this is the answer that he gave. God made the world, God loves the world, and God has given us the world to care for. Once we understand and accept that God created the world and that he loves the world, then everything else flows from there. And it's where we're going to pick up this week. So to help us answer today's question, we're going to look at three things. Firstly, that God is in control. Secondly, that God cares for all in his creation. And thirdly, that God is working for the good of those who trust in him. So firstly, God is in control. I don't know what you have made of the last three months of lockdown here in the UK, but I think we could all be forgiven for feeling at some point like the world maybe is out of control. Pretty much the entire world has been in lockdown for weeks with unprecedented restrictions upon our basic liberties from dictating who we can and cannot see, where we can and cannot go. Millions of people have caught a disease which seems to have spread unchecked through the entire world with no vaccine yet in sight to help. Some scientists say that lockdown should have happened earlier. Others say we need to get on with getting back to normal. Some people are desperate to get back to work and to school and to their usual social lives. Others are still scared to leave their homes. Panic buying struck our shops and the empty shelves looked like something from a war zone. Some neighbours have formed really close friendships with one another by helping each other out through this time. Others have called the police on them because of their lockdown breaches. It's like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so we do wonder, is the world out of control? And whilst it might have seemed like that at some point, I want to suggest to you that God sees the bigger picture. And he is and always has been in control. We're going to take a look at a great story from the Old Testament to help us see an example of this in the Bible. Genesis chapters 37 to 50 tell the story of Joseph of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame. You might be familiar with his story. Joseph is one of Jacob's 12 sons and is favoured above all the others. 
His father even gives him a special coat to show his love for Joseph. And Joseph starts to have dreams which suggest that his brothers are going to end up bowing down to him. Now, perhaps understandably, Joseph's brothers are really jealous and angry with him. And so one day, they hatch a plot to sell him to traders who take Joseph off to Egypt, where he then serves in Potiphar's household as a slave. And eventually, he gets thrown into jail after he's tricked again. Now, maybe it might have seemed for Joseph like everything was out of control. But then he begins to be able to interpret dreams. And this eventually gets him back out of jail and into Pharaoh's service. And from there on in, Joseph quickly rises through the ranks as Pharaoh's most trusted advisor. Joseph is the one whom Pharaoh is indebted to because God has enabled Joseph to interpret Pharaoh's dreams and see that a great famine is coming to the nation. And so Joseph is given the very important job of making sure that all the crops are stored up during the years of plenty, ready to feed the nation in the years of famine. And eventually this results in Joseph's brothers travelling back from Canaan to Egypt in search of food. And unbeknown to them, Joseph is the one that they come to, although they don't recognise him at first. But Joseph does recognise them and eventually reveals who he is to them and provides them and the family with food and brings them to Egypt to live. And this is how the story finishes. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of God of of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. These are such powerful and important words. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Joseph displays such a godly attitude and understanding here. How easy it would have been for him to give up on God after he was taken off to Egypt and thrown in jail. You wouldn't blame him for completely despairing. But he doesn't. Joseph held on to God and God looked out for him and in fact brought more good from Joseph's situation than Joseph could ever have imagined. Whole nations were blessed and saved from starvation through his situation. Bad things happen in this life. We all mess up, we act selfishly, our pride takes over, and sometimes bad things just happen. But God is bigger. 
bigger than our mistakes and our pride and our mess-ups. Such is the extent of God's grace and goodness to us that even when bad things happen to us or when we use our lives, the lives that he created, for bad purposes or make poor choices, God is still able to use them and to accomplish good in the world. And perhaps you can even look back on situations in your own life or the lives around you and recognise that same providential hand of God on your life. I know I can. To give another example, I don't know if you have ever been to a classical concert or maybe you've watched the proms on TV or perhaps you've just attended or been part of a school concert. If you have, then you will have seen the rows of musicians all looking out towards the audience. And then one person stood with their back to the audience, facing the musicians. If you didn't know what that person's job was, you might have thought it's a little rude and slightly strange that they had their backs to you and were slightly obscuring the view of the musicians. But if you have seen a concert like this, then you will know that they have perhaps one of the most important jobs of all. They are the conductor, the one who will hold everything together, the one who will tell the violins when to come in and the trumpets when to stop and the drums when to lower their volume and the cymbals when to crash. They're directing the entire orchestra to produce a beautiful collective sound. This is a picture of what God does with the world. He is the master conductor, the one who can see the entire of human history mapped out as a beautiful symphony and who knows what part each has to play. He knows even how to work with the missed notes and the clashing instruments in a way which weaves them into a beautiful whole. There is another great example of this in an episode of the Alpha Course. If you've never done an Alpha Course, I would really highly recommend it um, if you're interested in finding out more about the Christian faith. But in episode seven of the Alpha Course film series, there is a beautiful clip telling the story of the famous Russian composer, Alexander Borodin, playing the piano alongside his daughter. This is what happens. In the mid-19th century, the British aristocrat Lord Radstock was staying in a hotel in Norway. One evening, he heard the sound of a piano being played horribly in the hallway downstairs. He looked and saw a little girl who was making the most terrible noise. He was normally a patient man, but slowly the continuous racket began to drive him mad. As he watched, a man approached and sat down beside her. Rather than stop the little girl's efforts, the man began to play, constructing chords alongside her. With each keystroke, his playing complemented her notes, and suddenly a breathtaking sound filled the whole hotel. He took her mistakes and discord and turned it into something utterly beautiful. As Lord Radstock later found out, the man playing alongside the girl was her father, the famous 19th century Russian composer, Alexander Borodin. God is like the composer in this clip. If we let him, he takes our mistakes and somewhat plink-plonk attempt at living life and he turns it 
into something beautiful. He is the master composer and he is in control. Which leads us onto our second point. Why should it reassure us that God is in control? Is that a good thing? Well, I want to suggest to you that it is a good thing because of this second point, that God cares for all in his creation, for everyone he has made. And therefore, the symphony that he is creating out of our lives and choices must be for our good. We began to get a sense of that last week when we looked at God's love for his creation. The words of the psalmist in this psalm here, Psalm 104, just highlight the extent of God's care for his creation. These are verses 14 to 30 of Psalm 104. He makes the grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he has planted. Then the birds make their nests, the stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats, the crags are a refuge for the hyrax. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the field prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to work, to their labour until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number. Living things, both large and small, there the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you form, to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When, you're, when you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. God is in control and he cares for all that he has made. I find the detail in this psalm really breathtaking. And if we take a moment to look around us at nature, we see this, don't we? God provides for the world and he has ordered it so that it works. If we watch any of David Attenborough's great nature programs like Blue Planet or Planet Earth, you can see that. Creation isn't just a random mix of plants and animals. Each element of creation is designed for its purpose. The food chain works so that each creature is fed, including us. There is a balance between land and water so that creation is watered. The earth is positioned at just the right distance from the sun so that we have enough warmth and light for life and yet not so much that we burn. 
The world isn't out of control because God cares for the world and has ordered it so that it works. And yet, at the same time, we see that the world isn't as God created it in the beginning. Bad stuff has happened. That perfect picture of the Garden of Eden isn't what we see around us right now. We haven't always loved one another and cared for creation as God told us to do. We've messed up. Bad stuff has happened. But that doesn't mean that God is not in control. Even if we can't always see him in the midst of our struggles, because God never gave up on us. We could understand if Joseph had struggled to believe that God was in control when he was stuck in Egypt in a prison far from home, and yet Joseph kept trusting in God and looking to him. And we can do the same. By looking back at what God has done in the past, by uh, reading our Bibles, by remembering how he has worked in our lives, and also by looking forward to the promises that he has made us for the future. Most importantly, we can look to Jesus and the hope for the future that we have in him. Which brings us to our final point. God is working for the good of those who trust in him. We see this supremely in the life of Jesus. The whole of scripture speaks his name, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. The Bible tells the story of God's love for us. It tells the story of our sin and our disobedience, and then of God's plan to rescue us, to give us another chance to live with him. That plan came to pass in Jesus, the Son of God sent to earth as a man to show us who God is, to demonstrate God's love for us and to teach us again how to live, how to care for one another. And then that plan was fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross when Jesus took the punishment for all our wrongdoing that we might be set free and reunited with God through his glorious resurrection, destined one day to join him in heaven. Just think, at that moment of Jesus' death, it must have looked all around like the world was out of control, that God had lost. And yet, just a few days later, in Jesus' glorious resurrection, we see that, in fact, God still is in control. He's been in control all along, that this is part of his plan, a plan that we can't always understand. Jesus is the ultimate demonstration of God's control and love for the world. Jesus shows us that God is working for the good of his church, and he gives us hope because though we may suffer sometimes in the, in the world, just as Jesus did, Jesus has overcome the world and rescued us for eternity. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says these words, In this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. And these words are so important for us right now. Jesus wants to warn us, he's recognising that we will have trouble in the world. God didn't promise us a perfect life, an easy life. 
But what he's reminding us of here is that he is always with us, that he is in control, that he has overcome the world by overcoming death itself. As we reflect on COVID-19, we might ask whether God has been working for our good through it. At some point over the last three months, I might have struggled to answer that question positively, because as we said earlier, it can be hard to see where God is in the midst of our struggles. I've really missed worshipping together in this building with the rest of the church. I've missed seeing people and eating with them. But as we are beginning to move out of lockdown and we look back on this time, I can see how God has actually been working so much in my life and in the lives of others around me as we have trusted in him. He's been teaching us the importance of prayer, of depending on his grace, of looking to him for wisdom, of reading the Bible for ourselves, of slowing down and remembering what's important. We've also had many testimonies in the church of God healing and working miracles, from healing frozen shoulders to curing lactose intolerance to preserving life in the midst of a terrible accident. God has been working for the good of those who trust in him. And Paul sums it up best here in Romans 8, verses 26 to 30. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. And he searches our, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he also called And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. I'm so encouraged here by Paul's reminder that God is working for our good. And we see that supremely in the resurrection of Jesus and our hope in him. But he also reminds us that the Holy Spirit is interceding for us right now. Even when we are struggling, when we don't know how to pray, when we're weak, he is working and praying for us. He is interceding on our behalf in accordance with God's will. We are not alone. And this is great news. We have a helper, the Holy Spirit, God's own power working in and through us to keep us going. God is working for the good of those who trust in him. So is the world out of control? No. God is in control and he cares for the world and can bring good out of even hard times for those who trust in him. And we're just going to finish now with a couple of points of application. If a lot of this is new to you, if you haven't decided to follow Jesus yet and are struggling to make sense of the world around you, then the message for you today is that God is in control, that God cares for you. And fear not, for Jesus has overcome the world. And when we trust in him, he promises 
to work all things for our good. All who call on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. That's a promise from the Bible. And God always keeps his promises. Respond to him today. Recognize that God is your creator and that he has a plan for your life, that he loves you and cares for you deeply. If you come to God and confess that when we come and we confess that sometimes we've messed up and we need help and accept that God has already sent help to us in the person of Jesus, then we will be saved and receive the Holy Spirit to help us live in this world. And if you know Jesus, you trust in him, but perhaps have been struggling lately, particularly in this time of lockdown, and are worried that maybe the world is out of control, when will things return to normal, if there is such a thing? The message for you is fear not, for Jesus has overcome the world. Spend some time reflecting on the words of Jesus and on the story of Joseph as well. God has your back and he has a beautiful plan for this world. Even if we can't always see what it is or how he is working it out. But as we spend time thinking about God's promises, we remember who he is and our faith grows and our heads are lifted. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to help you pray and to help you fix your eyes on Jesus. Allow him to remind you of God's love and care for you. God is in control.